You're listening to the Sexy Vampire Teeth Podcast. Enjoy the show. Hello, Joe. Yo, Matt, what's up? How you doing, man? Good, man. How are you? Good. Great. Um, excited to have you back, man. I had a great time last time. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and everybody else seemed to like it quite a bit, so win-win-win. Oh. Yeah, thanks for having me back. I'm excited. Um, so tonight we're going to be talking about uh, the movie Event Horizon, as uh, I mentioned in the preview for the last episode. This is a movie directed by uh, Paul W.S. Anderson, not to be confused with Paul Thomas Anderson, who did uh, Magnolia. This guy did Mortal Kombat and Soul. Yes, he did. <laughs> um, which, are, which are good movies. And then he started doing like the uh, Resident Evil movies, which I wasn't really a big mm-hmm. fan of. But um, that's kind of like his filmography of sorts, like his main, main hits. We both like this movie quite a bit because we've talked about it since we were, since we've seen it, I suppose, around high school, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, movie came out in 1997. Uh, just to give you guys a brief back of the VHS box, I guess, if you will, uh, rundown on the movie. It takes place in the year 2047, where uh, an experimental space vessel called the Event Horizon gets sent out into space, uh, supposedly on a mission, like, past our galaxy, I guess? Or past our, like, you know, uh, yeah, galaxy. Um, and disappears for about 17 years and finally winds up coming back. Uh, a group of astronauts go out there to uh, basically rescue and recover whoever is alive and find out what happened. And uh, that's essentially the movie. And we'll talk about our characters and what happens and all that kind of stuff. But um, it's a uh, it's a it's a strange follow up to the Last Jedi. I thought this was. <laughs> you know, yeah, they really took it in a new direction. Yeah, the Disney acquisition got weird. I don't know what happened with this one. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, I remember, uh, this is one of those movies that I remember seeing as, I guess, like a teenager or whatever. It came out in 97, so, uh, how fucking old was I? I don't know. I was in high school. I remember... Like your age, Joe? Uh, that was a rhetorical <laughs> question. <laughs> um, it was, uh, it was this movie, you know, everybody kind of has these movies where you saw it as a kid and it's, like, scared the shit out of you ever since. And, like, you don't watch it often. But you always like talk about, oh, that movie, that was one of the scariest things I've ever seen. One of the scariest movies I've ever seen. Yeah. Scenes. And like, I watched it again and I'm like, oh, Joe, you were such a pussy. <laughs> it's like, I had, I had a kind of a similar experience because when watching the movie originally, I felt all kinds of things. I thought it was, I thought it was really scary. There were like, really, you know, there were jump scares. It's disturbing. There's a lot of tension. And I thought it was like really, really interesting and like in depth and everything. And then some point between then and now I watched it and I kind of felt what you're saying. I was like, this isn't scary and there's all kinds of weird holes here. And I feel like with this just most recent viewing, I've gotten a a, a new understanding of the movie and I've come around to appreciating it in a completely new way, which I'll talk about later. Nice. Um, Yeah, I mean, I still enjoyed it immensely. Um, Yeah. But I, I, I found, like, I thought for some reason it was a lot scarier um, when I was younger and I saw it, and when people would ask me, like, oh, what do you think is the scariest movie ever made? I, I usually said this. Um, hmm. and, and primarily because, well, and we'll obviously talk about this too, the scenes of the place where the ship went to when they look at the recordings scared yes. the fucking shit out of me when I was a kid. And they're still disturbing. Yeah, and yeah I went through them frame by frame. 
for this viewing and I have detailed accounts when we arrive at them and <laughs> I haven't been sleeping well. <laughs> <laughs> Not because I'm scared because I just look at them a lot. <laughs> no, it's, it's really like, apparently they had to like cut that stuff down and like speed it up and show, like hide it just because it's so disturbing. Yeah. I, you know, as being a little bit older, I <laughs> kind of, caught on to things I, I did not catch on to when I was uh, a teenager. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I'm sure we have a quite quite a bit of overlap on that. Um, <laughs> so the movie stars uh, two pretty popular guys at the time, I suppose. Uh, Sam Neill as, would you call him the main character or like one of them? I don't know. Like, I, I don't know the I main. I guess he would be the, he would be the antagonist. It's a, it's a good question because it's an ensemble cast. You don't really have, you know, each character's developed a little bit. You know, because of the nature of, you know, how they're tortured. But Sam Neill, as we are, is definitely the antagonist or the manifestation of the antagonist. Yeah. I would think so. But I guess Lawrence Fishburne is supposed to be your hero. But yeah, I, I don't know. He just seems like another character that fills a role as much less than being a protagonist. It's not like he has an arc or anything like that, you know? Well, actually, he does. I take that back. So, yeah, he's a protagonist. Yeah, Lawrence Fishburne plays uh, Captain Miller. and uh, Miller, yeah. Yeah, he, he's basically um, in charge of the crew that's going out to the uh, Event Horizon that came back from wherever it was, while Sam Neill's character, Dr. William Weir, is the one that developed the engine in the Event Horizon. I mean, I guess he just developed the entire thing really but he takes credit mainly for the gravity uh, drive that's inside the event horizon you know as a kid growing up i thought his name was dr weird because i was from staten island and big yo that's weird and i just thought they were <laughs> well i mean these guys were kind of popular when we were younger um because you know sam neill obviously jurassic park and then lawrence fishburne from the matrix was you know pretty much right before and after this film so yeah. and i probably saw this movie like pretty close to when like the matrix came out i didn't see it right away i saw it on vhs probably like a year after it came out which is kind of like what the uh where it got its following from was basically rentals because this movie t- in the box office it's got terrible reviews too if you go online like it, it's, it's just got like shitty reviews you know from like obviously review sites it doesn't really mean anything there was an aggressive campaign where i grew up to not let like underage kids into this movie i remember i got turned away and we had to see something else oh yeah well, well when we were kids like there was plenty of stuff that came out that they were they were a lot stricter with rated r mm-hmm. film uh you know audiences when we were younger without a doubt and i remember like not getting into quite a few things and thinking like oh yeah. let me in species when that came out i wanted to see that and <laughs> like i couldn't go so i wound up seeing uh a hugh grant movie uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's terrifying <laughs> you know i can't remember what i what i saw in its place but i distinctly remember like going up and being like i am here to see event horizon they're like why are you talking like a robot i'm sorry this is how i talk when i was 16 <laughs> <laughs> oh it was it was uh i saw hugh grant's nine months oh god yeah it's the one where he gets pregnant i don't think hugh grant ever got pregnant in a movie oh that's arnold yeah, yeah. Nine months <laughs> he's, he's way above that yeah yeah hugh grant. <laughs> i find the timeline in this movie like sort of like not as ridiculous as a lot of other things because it takes place in 2047 and like they explain yeah. like the the progression of like space travel a little bit in the opening credits like from 20, yeah. 2015 onward basically and uh i'm like all right that, that, that's kind of grounded i mean like i could kind of see like us sending a space vessel out in 27 years from now you know in it, particular there was in 2015 we establish a moon base and if you'd asked me five years ago, they literally are planning on building a moon base now. Yeah. So, I mean, being 10 years off with this level of prediction, 
I mean, that's impressive. You know? Yeah, right. Well, speaking of which, look at Back to the Future. I mean, it was kind of nuts. Like, the you know, there's flying cars in there. So, mm-hmm. like, they, they had, like, a grounded, like, kind of look at the future. Which which helps the movie, I think, now, too, you know? Because this movie has that thing that I really love about, like, science fiction movies. It has, like, lived-in atmosphere, you know? Like, that mm-hmm. sh- the ship feels like people have been in there for years or decades or whatever. Everything looks used, you know, like like Star Wars, but obviously this is darker. Like, obviously a lot more like Alien. That that, that imagery yeah. comes to mind nonstop. I think that's obvious. It's got a very very alien look to it uh, with the ship mm-hmm. and the crew. Talk about the Lewis and Clark. The Lewis and Clark, yeah, that's the ship yeah. that, that uh, Captain Lawrence's guys are going out on to for their rescue mission. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I love that. I love that look. You know, that that's like a big part of the appeal of this movie to me. You know, like, it's like, just like simple things, right? Like, they show like the console is like a fucking empty coke can and like everything's dirty and kind of like fucked up you know what i mean like i just mm-hmm. like that a lot i'll tell you what i don't like floating cg stuff <laughs> yeah i this was around the time it. frame where they had just like a lot of movies especially the liquid had yes. just come out around this time yes. and they were like it was post jurassic park and they were like oh my god cgi can make an amazing movie no <laughs> You know, like, so you had movies like Sphere, and you had all of these movies that were like, we have this amazing liquid water effect, uh, and partly also with Terminator 2 mixed in. Suddenly they were like, we're going to put this in everything, and it's going to look amazing, and it's definitely not going to fall off in a few years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's the thing that dates the movie the most, is that, like, liquid metal CGI shit. Because, yeah. like, Terminator did it really well, obviously, but, like, everything did it shittily. Like, TLC's Waterfalls and, like, any other music video that had, like, water effects. It was, like, a big thing back then. But it wasn't even that so much. Like, it was just, like, the o- like the, the opening shots of, like, the, the ship, and everything's mm-hmm. kind of floating in zero gravity is, like... Like just garbage like water bottles whatever like that mm. it's all like terrible cg and it's like well why was that even necessary because like i feel like yeah, that, they... that was such a far road to take to show that like there was a man floating in there and it didn't use a cg guy so i don't, I don't know i thought this was a strange choice but the man floating did you notice that was like the first reference to the uh the religious imagery they never kind of outright mention anything no. christian based but like he he rotates and he's like a crucified man on the the cross window yeah the cross window yeah well the cross window is pretty overt right but yeah so then that's the opening scene of the movie yeah um so which is is weir's um dream right basically yeah Yeah. exactly yeah like i I, you know sometimes i wonder if like they just want to like experiment with technology more so than like use this we have it you know what i mean i I don't know or like we had this new tool that cgi became far more accessible in filmmakers think like could put things on screen that they previously couldn't or took far more effort and they imagined everything's gonna look like the t-rex from jurassic park so they would just be like (laughs) give me give me a can and a watch floating around and make it look spectacular Uh, exactly right yeah i guess this is what i asked for you know they weren't even like space versions of them (laughs) like they're just shit you can find (laughs) in the store and they were floating and they were just they were fake and i thought that was weird um it was a strange like start to the film and and i don't know i guess like maybe just people have to try to use it right like that's the pioneering aspect of it all but that was like one of the stranger looking things in the movie and don't really get a lot of that uh because once like the zero gravity shut down right everybody's just kind of grounded and that's it but that opening scene has a lot of those like cringy 90s like special effects and i'm like uh this is a bad start, but really nothing that, that, that becomes a problem. Really, the movie gets going when, you know, uh, we, we see our first character, Dr. Weir. He wakes up in this bed, and he's got, like, photo, like a photo right on the wall of his, like, supposedly, like, dead wife or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> the collection yeah, of Yeah, that's others. so weird. He's like, he's like, he takes it to bed with him each night and moves it. 
when he puts it back, he puts like on a, it's like a, there's a shrine of her. And, yeah. And I, and I, and I, and I rewound it because I'm like, wait a minute. And I, I was like, my eyes kind of caught like a little, little more than I thought. I, I rewound it. And they use like the same picture like four times. They just, <laughs> they just yeah, cut like, it. <laughs> he had one of those like high school, <laughs> high school prom pictures where you get a bunch of them and you kept them all. Yeah. He, they just cut it weird. Like some of them did, they cut the shirt out and it's just her head. And it's like, wow, I'm like, that's, that's horrible. And, and I'm not even sure that he knows her because most of these photos are just glamour shots from like a modeling agency. <laughs> and he's like in one shot awkwardly. Like he, he almost seems like a stalker. <laughs> <laughs> like he leaned in and photobombed. Yeah. He smells her hair and shit. He's like, oh. <laughs> it would make a lot more sense if that was the case because we learned that he's fucking crazy. Um <laughs> We're introduced to the cast of characters, which, you know, are all pretty, pretty whatever, you know, they're pretty good. Um, obviously, like, our big actors are the leads, and then we have a couple people that, you know, everybody has seen before, and yeah. So, so basically, we get, we get, uh, Captain Milliner's crew waking up from hyperspace sleep or whatever, and, and then Weir is going to explain to them what exactly is going on. Uh, big exposition scene, where essentially he tells us that, you know, um, the Event Horizon was, you know, his baby, right? And he created this, like, gravity drive uh, that would help this thing travel through light speed, basically, you know, to, to just far out places to find out what else is in the galaxy. And the thing goes missing, and it just came back. So, like, no one has any idea where it's been or what happened. So... Mm-hmm. And he, in all he could really explain is like how this thing worked, and I, I love that scene quite a bit. Yeah, I wonder if I've seen it in used in multiple movies, or if it's just if that was the first time it was used, it, or the it whole was movie. the first time it was used, but it was used again in Interstellar. Okay, but yeah. it's such a, a phenomenal way to simplify a very very difficult concept to understand right well that's what they always say is like you know people who could explain things the best can explain it to a child right and i feel like that was how he got his point across because he's basically explaining to a bunch of idiot guys on the you know they're like grunts basically right like on the spaceship and he explains (laughs) it through like you know um, showing them in a piece of paper basically how it works so when they're doing the meeting and they're like telling about he's telling them the the story about how the event horizon has gone missing he's like and it came back and we received this transmission <laughs> it sounds like a terrifying haunted house with latin being spoken <laughs> and they all just look around at each other like they're all kind of like okay <laughs> like, <laughs> The, the one guy basically, like, translates the Latin for them. And yeah. and I couldn't help think, like, when he... Because he looks at, like, you know, it's it's too... It's very dramatic, you know? It's, like, too dramatic. Yeah. And he's, like... He, like, looks up, you know what I mean? Like, with that, like, he's, like, they're saying, save us. You know? And yeah. <laughs> I kept thinking of, like, the Metallica music video when they're, like, it's SOS. He's saying, kill it's me. SOS. <laughs> he's saying, kill me. Kill me. Over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> that's what i started hearing in my head when i when he said that i bet you could splice those together <laughs> no he's not saying save us he's saying kill me kill me <laughs> <laughs> oh man um, fn horizon has taken my eyes <laughs> 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 yeah, that was. A, I know you didn't improv that because I made the joke start. So that's pretty yeah. good. <laughs> and 
way the way he exp- the way he explains space travel, like we said, is pretty like simple. And you know, he's basically telling everybody that like instead of like going from one point to one point, you kind of fold space in, line the points up together, and you go through it that way. Um, which you know, like I said, was that was an interstellar. They did the exact same thing with a piece of paper. People love that scene. That that scene always stuck with me too because they explained something so 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 simple. Now, obviously, like it's science fiction, right? But like I, I suppose there's like a little bit of truth behind it. Yeah, I mean that's the concept of uh, Einstein Rosenbridge. You know, is that they the idea is that it folds space time. Yeah, you know, and that's the only yeah. So I do feel like this movie has a bit of almost like an identity crisis because the science fiction is really good, but then there are other things where I'm like. It's not quite like Star Trek level science fiction. You know, I I had questions because when they arrive at the event horizon, you know, there's like it's in the atmosphere, right? Because there's clouds and there's weather. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, like, doesn't gravity create atmosphere? I mean, isn't gravity that's holding the atmosphere in? So why are they still in a zero G environment? I just think the zero G stuff was was unnecessary, really, if you think about it. Well, right, they they, they were just trying to hit all like the space tropes, you know, and make yeah, sure that, yeah, yeah. I don't know, like, if it was supposed to be like, well, that part's bullshit, or like the atmosphere, like background was was bullshit just for the aesthetic of the horror film, you know, because it, like it had that like they did ho- they did specifically say that you know referring to the event horizon that she's in the atmosphere. So right. they covered their bases for why there would be weather, you know, and, and it, it definitely created atmosphere rather than just like dead space because it allowed for like fun lightning at key moments and things like that. Right. It was like a haunted house kind of uh, look to it. Yeah, that's what I mean by the like, I like that it's a mashup of a couple of different movie types. It's a horror movie yeah. in space. Yeah. You know, it's it's not like Alien, which is a horror movie in space. This is more like a science fiction horror movie. You know, like there's more there's there's like a psychological aspect to it. It's a little, little like The Shining. Ultimately, my analysis that I haven't even gotten into yet. It's really a cosmic horror movie. You know, it's very Lovecraftian. It is, yeah. Because like yeah. Where, where Alien is kind of like a slasher movie in space. You know, you got like this one yeah. thing you know, hunting down everybody. This movie is a little bit more like psychological and you know, it's, it's, it's got um, a little more to the horror aspect than just a yeah, the paranormal stuff, right. you know, you, whether you call it like demons or whatever, some evil mystical force. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that um, I found uh, funny was that like the, the guy that's navigating is named Mr. Smith and yeah. <laughs> it's like Lawrence Fishburne is, you know, like, in the matrix <laughs> and like he's in a matrix type like ship. It's like the Nebuchadnezzar or whatever. And it's just like, yeah, there was moments where I was just like, oh, that's weird, you know, and it came out before it obviously. Yeah. But when like, like you were talking about the ship and like, you know, being kind of an atmosphere that like, uh, well, that reveal scene where they come right up to the event horizon i mean that's like a horrifying sort of moment you know like it's a great introduction to like that ship because they get like yeah. right in its face and like it has like a decent musical cue because the music in this movie is fucking garbage but just like you're right there in front of it and like it's just a haunting looking kind of ship you know not only because we like keep hearing about the mystery of it and like that's what the movie's about obviously but they capture that moment really well um you yeah. f- you feel that sort of like ominous presence when you see it you know in the design. very imposing oh very you know, and then they do that they do that big zoom out and they show it's like their ship is like a speck compared to the vastness of the event horizon. The, yeah, the movie the movie kind of has a... You know, I don't want to say this movie's slow paced because it's not. It actually moves pretty quick. But it's got like a slow feel to it, you know, like with the with the atmosphere, with the look of, you know, the ship, the, both ships. The, the rooms that they're in are all small, you know, um, and they're having dialogue and stuff like that. They're kind of all on top of each other. I feel like everything's sort of quiet. Yeah, and I think that 
that was probably one of the initial criticisms of the movie is like that it was too much of a slow burn. So they went back and added like some jump scares with him having the visions of his wife. Maybe that opening scene with the floating stuff might have been an after, you know, afterthought or even like when they're just exploring the event horizon and you got the uh, this place is a tomb line, you know, then there's a jump scare, you know, the, the, the glove floating by him. I almost feel like they were like, we got to we got to pop this up, this area up to keep people interested because the movie gets really good, you know. There, there, there is definitely that, but also like they cut a lot of shit out of this movie because the original run was like I think uh, like 130 minutes or something like that. It's fucking long. And he, and he, oh, isn't there like this whole story about like the original footage yeah. being lost? So, so yeah, the salt mine getting burned or something like. Yeah, I don't know like the details of that. A little hazy. I've only read like trivia parts in that, right? So I don't really know what's true, or what's not. I like to kind of like yeah. get it. From the horse's mouth sometimes before i repeat it yeah. like see if there's an interview with that particular person but he's talked about uh the director that this footage is basically like as far as he's concerned it's gone like he has no idea where it is there's no director's yeah. cut because like it's not around but they cut quite a bit out and supposedly and this is just like urban legend rumor type stuff like the the test audience and like the executives that watch this like were so disgusted with it like some people fainted they're like it was so fucking graphic with the gore yeah and like the the video scene that we'll talk about, that it got an NC seventeen rating, which is basically like yeah. na- like nails in its limiting the point. viewership to nothing. Yeah, it, yeah, this pornography level rating. So they they got NC seventeen rating, and he he had to cut a ton of shit out, and then add stuff to obviously make it more like you know uh, approachable, you know. And so yeah, there's a lot of shit that's taken out. You know, definitely different things that were added to it. Ultimately, that shit's gone. And what we got was still pretty gory. I think this movie is one of the more disturbing horror films with its imagery. And and it being quick flashes makes it even more disturbing, I think, you know, than just holding Yeah, because it's almost subliminal. Like, it's inside your head. Yep. <laughs> like, you're like, what did I just see? And in order to see it, you know, if, like, you look over some, and then you can review what you just saw in your mind. So it literally gets in your head. Once the crew basically boards the ship they leave dr weir on you know well the the crew goes and explores the event horizon because they don't want him to go on there like this is like basically like we said before these these guys like kind of grunts they're they're search and rescue they're not gonna bring a fucking scientist with them even though he knows everything about it but they're just like real standoffish about it so they board the ship and then we get to see like what this thing looks like inside you know because the outside's so imposing and whatnot the inside design is it's kind of like very like cathedral you know um yeah, it's a, there's definitely a lot of horror elements going on with the spikes and stuff like that. It's like kind of like a Geiger slash like Clive Barker kind of vibe going on with it. Um, yeah, a real like a slash between like a I got like a gothic alien nest almost like yeah. the way it's like yeah. it has like almost an organic look to like the curved walls look kind of like rib cages sometimes. Yeah. And, it, it's sort of like it's kind of like both like familiar and also like different. It's like he kind of mashed a lot of like designs that were popular like that people kind of gravitate towards like an alien or a Hellraiser, and sort of like put that into the ship, you know. And then we get to the ship's heart, which is where the drive is, and that that room is. Why, why all of those spikes? You know, it's I don't like know. it's like hey, we made this warp drive, and uh, we're going to surround it with Mortal Kombat spikes and mousetraps. You know, it's just it just seemed a little bit like. And I have a I have a rationale for this later, but it almost seemed like like if you would walk in there, I would almost joke like, "What is this? A gateway to hell?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not a pleasant like kind of look. And I wonder like you know it's funny because like 
it's so silly, like, now, right? Like, you look at it, you're like, oh, you designed this to be, like, a horrific place. But would it have been, like, even creepier if it was, like, very, like, welcoming looking? You know? Like, I don't know. Um, like, an, like an iPhone, you know, just, like, all clean and... Right. Yeah. Hmm, that's you know, interesting. Or some, you know, something kind of like homier, right? Because they were going to be on there for a while. I don't know. Like it, they, they stuck with like, yeah, this is like a horrible fucking place. Um, <laughs> oh so, yeah, big time. So one of the characters, and he has his name is Justin, uh, just like our fellow fucking co-host. <laughs> uh, he, he uh, and we also call him Baby Bear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> He's uh, just like a typical Justin does the stupid thing and touches something. So <laughs> that's why he's not here today. So the, uh, this character goes and finds like this, you know, uh, the heart of the ship, the gravity well, the gravity drive. And it's basically like puzzle box. I think they just call it a puzzle box. Oh, the Hellraiser puzzle box. <laughs> yeah. That's what it looks like. It was in, in circular form. So it's got like spinning rings around it and it's got uh, spikes because the ship loves fucking spikes. Uh, yeah. It's such a hazard to walk around like. Can't get enough spikes. Oh, just You know what this spikes. thing needs? More spikes. <laughs> you know, like... they had to get contractors to go in and build this. They were like, do you need some kind of machinery in these spikes? He's like, no, just make them long and pointy. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, all right, it's going to hurt a lot of people. <laughs> Do they have to be made of anything metal? No, just sharp. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to make sharp, pointy, spiked rooms, and we're going to name it something very ominous. And we think things are going to be okay. <laughs> you know, because we know Weir designed it, but he wasn't in there like, clank, 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 you know. <laughs> Well, the this heart of the ship or whatever, uh, what we learn, you know, at some point is that uh, it contains like a, it basically contains like a captured black hole, which is another like kind of known science sort of explanation of time travel, right? Like if we were able to navigate black holes properly, we could in theory go through time. So they use that science as well, you know, um, to say, oh, that's what's inside this thing. And our movies, Justin, not our Justin, he goes and touches it. This thing opens up and sucks him in and kind of spits him out. He was kind of like compelled to touch it, yeah, like rather a, like than a, like, like hypnotized in some capacity, you know. Yeah, like like the ring, you know. Like he was just like drawn to it. Um, mm-hmm. So he gets like thrown back out, and fake Eddie Murphy ca- captures him, uh, Cooper. <laughs> which we're, we're gonna get to that motherfucker later. Um, and, and, you know, and Weir's like, it didn't happen. He's like, you're imagining it, and they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> A giant shockwave blasted out of this black hole machine and disabled all the ship. And he's like, "No, hallucinations! <laughs> you must, mu- you must have held your breath too long." <laughs> yeah, because he's like, "There's no way it could open up. There's no way it could function. It's not working." And they're like, "Yeah, but it yeah. sucked them in." He's like, "No, just, you didn't see that." <laughs> they're like, oh, "Okay." Yeah. <laughs> but they they shut down the gravity at this point, which you know, all the fucking CGI water hits the ground and all that shit. So all the coolant, and then we see that pretty cool shot of the floating frozen dead body there's the tongue twister for you and uh it comes crashing down and it breaks into like a thousand little ice shards of flesh which yeah. i thought was a pretty cool effect it was you know cool. he was supposed to be like well, was he just a random guy was he the captain of the of the ship i don't remember i think it was the captain i think that's who we see in the opening flash as like haven't taken you know been influenced the most and probably lived past them all Most because likely. he still scre- he screams at this camera in the initial like quick clip um and i think that's the same guy so i think it kind of looked like the captain yeah but all they... i could think was like how are they going to get that smell out you know after <laughs> a frozen yeah. body falls through grates it's like that's it you know that room <laughs> you know, the, re- the reselling uh, on the event horizon is horrible i don't know what they he's were just thinking. like as soon as that happens he's like 
we're leaving. <laughs> yeah. Well, he does. Yeah, that's what... <laughs> as as most people would want to do. Get the fuck no, out of no. there. But now, now we get like the problem, right? Which is obviously Weir is in, insisting on staying because he's like, yeah, we have to find out what happened. But they're like, eh, they're kind of on the fence about it. But their ship is damaged, right? In this shockwave, and now they have like a time limit to get the fuck out of there. Um, yeah, so... I feel like that's what kind of triggers this uh it's like all right that's the end of act one and act two is the the timer starts right exactly i'm all right with that as a, as a mechanism to be used in movies you know it's yes it's like oh we've got 20 hours of air I'm like okay i like sure. that and they, and they changed it up quite a bit so it's not like this is it there's other like issues and like objectives to solve them as the movie goes along and and, mm-hmm. and like we were saying it moves pretty quick um, mm-hmm. For like you know this slow sort of looking space movie, but um, yeah, even though the first act isn't really eventful, Horizon, uh, it <laughs> I feel like it, <laughs> it gets us to it gets us to the point where they're all on the ship, their ship is incapacitated, and they're in an emergency situation. So it's still a mystery as to what's going on at this point. But now there's a very tangible, you know, real life threat happening. That they're like that becomes the new. All right, we gotta get a, get the fuck out of Dodge, as as they use in this movie. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So they they start to uh you know try to f- fix their ship, and you know they're there, so they're kind of like dealing with uh, Justin, who like is just all fucked up from what happened to him. Like he's like kind of kind of tonic. They start to have visions of like you know shitty things that happened to them in their past, or like exhibit violent behavior, like one or the other, um, depending on how developed the side character is, I guess, right. And <laughs> that that that's kind of like you know where we start to learn like all right something's something is affecting these people from the ship you know it, it it's very clear that this is like a haunted house movie in space but you know now we're seeing like that play through a little bit but it takes quite a turn obviously yeah I don't think that whatever this force or entity is doing is like really it's not cognitive to the level where it's like let me explore this person's thoughts right. oh. They have a, a sick kid, so I'm going to show them images of their sick... It just puts out this like wave of dread where it pushes this primal button in our heads that brings our worst fears manifest. You know, like, that's why it's so personalized to each person without having to be, like, there's no actual threat happening. It's just to them. It, it Like, if you walked up and saw a kid with maggoty, stinking legs, you wouldn't be like... <laughs> Oh, this is terrifying. You'd be like, are, are you okay? You know, like, but it's her her kid, and you know, she regrets leaving him behind, and all of these things. You know, right? And obviously, for Weir, who's like, you know, one of our, our, our one of our main characters, he keeps seeing his dead wife slash. I don't know who the fuck she might really be. Um, but then like Captain Miller's character, like his is the one that's kind of a little more vague, right? Like they don't like tell us what it is for a while. He's just like a guy on fire. And it terrifies yeah. him, and you kind of figured something from his past, but it's something that he explains later, like it's his part of his backstory. You see a little bit of that imagery, and then when you start to see Weir as like a Doctor Frankenstein type character, did you kind of get that vibe? Like, you know, this is where I started to get the impression of like where he would kind of bounce back and forth, and he was downplaying things. It just felt like he had an ulterior motive, like he kind of knew more than he was letting on. Yeah, but we never know that he does know more, right? Because it never really, like, if he knows more, he doesn't say shit. Well, this is where I, it's a good time to, I think, kind of get into my my working theory, and we'll see how it plays out. Give you so some my, theme my music. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do, Matt's theories! <laughs> Play that stinger again. Uh, so, <laughs> I think that... You know, so back in 2015, they start mining. Them. Like, why did they give us this timeline? I think at some point when they were like mining into the moon, that they set out some type of signal or 
they put out a consciousness in, to alert whatever this being is uh, or whatever this entity is out there, the darkness, the void, you know, that there's something here worth overtaking. And, and I think that just like this is going to be a bit of a stretch because there's biblical stuff in this. And, you know, the way the Bible was written was by divine inspiration in the context of like, oh, everything's written, even though it was written by by man, according to the religion, which is relevant to this movie. It was God inspired the hand to write the thing. I think that his creation of the event horizon was kind of like a divine inspiration by this this force. And I think that he's been under the influence of this force for a long time, which would explain why the ship looks the way it does, why the room looks like a gateway to hell, why it literally engineered like a situation where, uh, you know, created the situation with his wife. And we'll go more into this, but I feel like it's a pretty sound theory that puts all the pieces of the puzzle box together, so to speak, that it's like, oh, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Matt. <laughs> yeah. You are giving the guy who made Mortal Kombat 1 way too much fucking credit right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be like, oh, yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> yeah, he listens, You got sure. it, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I'm just kind of jealous. That's pretty. That's pretty good theory. I like that, actually, quite a bit. I mean, um, so I kind of just like, and I've been thinking about it a lot like yeah. this i was like driving to work and i was like are you familiar with the concept of the call of the void it's like when you're standing on the edge of a subway platform or a cliff like this idea pops into your head like what if i jumped and you're like well i'm not you know like it just comes it uh, yeah, comes yeah. out of nowhere you're never going to act on it but like why did that thought enter your head so like that whole concept of the, the the influence of the void it's and it drives people to madness you know that's that's where you go into these cosmic horror forces you know in in a lot of uh, lo the writing of lovecraft uh, yeah. hp lovecraft which i know you're a big fan of um, yeah i'm not like an expert or anything but i've read a decent amount of it so yeah i definitely and it makes sense with the architecture of of the ship itself because that's a big part of his work is the architecture i wouldn't be surprised like that was a big influence you know just because of the all these elements but yeah Cl clive barker was actually consultant on this too oh yeah which which explains a lot that. of the design. I think. Yeah, you can get that for sure. I all joking aside, it's like, I like that a lot, and uh, it's like what's really great about these kind of movies, right? Is like they they probably fucking don't care enough to come up with a backstory to that extent, but like watching these kinds of things, like that's what we think about, you know. And since since it's just left open, and we know that there's more to it, right? Because like Weir has quite a pull. And is it, it's got to be more simple than, oh, he just created the ship, so that's why he's, like, the main yeah. bad guy. It, it's got to be more than that, you know? And yeah. they don't explain it. So, like, my theory was a little simpler than that, and I was just that, I think, I kind of felt like because he worked on the black hole device, he, he was just connected more to wherever it went because maybe it was always going there. And, like, him working on that engine for so long, like, he just had more of a tie to it. Like, cause, cause the first person that really gets affected by this and when it starts to get, infect everybody is when the engine opens up and sucks in Justin. So like yeah. wherever this place traveled, it used this engine to do it. And that's like where this place is held. So I feel like that's more where the tie is. And it's just like more unexplainable shit than something that we could really like theorize. Yeah, that's why I really think that Weir is just a pawn, you know, being influenced. I, I don't think he, like... We'll get into this as we move on. I think we can. I would, I'll, I'm afraid to say any more evidence of, to support my theory. I'd, I would be getting into this latter half of Act Two and Act Three. So, 
But I think what triggered this whole analysis was basically like when I reflected on this movie and the, the, the last time I watched it was like eight or ten years ago. I was like, yeah, it was a good movie, but the act three kind of falls off. And I feel like this theory and well, when we get there, I feel like it really redeems the movie in my eyes. And, and then we get to the point where they decode the video. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever slowed this down to look at it? The audio they hear, right? They they wind up seeing it. That's that that's what yeah. happens. I um no, I didn't. And then, you know what? Actually, Don't I, do I, it. I, I, pro- I probably <laughs> had when I was younger, and that might be why this movie was so fucking scary to me. But I mm-hmm. saw more this time than I ever did before. Like it's a fucking orgy. Oh my god, it's so much. First, they have <laughs> a guy. Crazy. They're they're ripping out this own this guy's guts and feeding it to him. And you, then you have a girl ass-raping a dude while someone else is getting a blowjob. <laughs> yeah. Then you have – what is that fleshy worm appendage? Is that his arm reaching down his throat really fast or – I thought it was coming like, out, but yeah, I don't no, know. No, first it's going in and then it's like – it's going down his throat and like blood's like pouring out of his nose. You know, just good family fun. Um <laughs> This is the movie that Jason X wanted to be so bad. <laughs> <laughs> then we watched that video and Lawrence Fishburne delivers the line. You want to handle it this time, Joe? We're leaving. <laughs> Which is what, what anyone would say. Which I'm sure a bunch of people in the theater said. <laughs> <laughs> well, the executives like, did. <laughs> they're like, they bring their kid in like, oh, it's a cool science movie. You'll learn that the event horizon is the moment where light can no longer escape the black hole. And then they go in and they see that. And they turn to their family. We're leaving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, the video is just, it's fucking horrific. And apparently, I guess that was one of the things that was shown in full and made everybody kind of cringe and give this a horrible rating. But, you know, I gotta tell you something. It works way better, su- like subliminal, like you were saying, like way fucking better. Because yeah. you, like, saw it more than you ever would have, like, because <laughs> yeah, you went, no, I, yeah. Yeah. I was, because I had always wondered, like, haven't, when you think of this movie, don't you think of those scenes primarily? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, that, when you reflect yeah. on this movie, and, like, I watched them in regular speed, I was like, why did these visions get so burned into my brain when it's, like, done? You know, it's it's flashes of nothing. Those, and then there's at the end where he, like, shows him where it was, and, it, and it's a little bit longer. Those were the things that always, like, really fucking disturbed me. Because it's, yeah. like... You know, you always, like, envision, like, you know, as a child, like, hell, for lack of better words, right? Because we don't really have any better words for what this is. Yeah, we can call it hell, you know. I don't think that's what it is, but it's, like... It's definitely not. uh, That's why I think there's no overt mention of anything religious. Um, I think it's kind of, like, the concept of... For the sake of this movie, I'm not drawing any conclusions about any religions... Like, for the sake of this movie, in the Lovecraftian universe, our perception of what we would form based on religions is based on stuff that's far older and much more ancient in, in, in the whole span of the universe. You know, so the concept of hell is like, yeah, there's this other realm of torture, right. but we call it hell and we've made up a mythology that goes around it it's become a religion, but it already existed long before we were even a twinkle in our father's eyes you know, like... <laughs> he's got that raping look on his face <laughs> he looks like he wants something <laughs> yeah like it's it's probably the first time i saw like a torturing type of scene and you know we got what like a whole what they labeled torture porn like like hostile and so on so like yeah, yeah. 
But but this was like the first time I saw oh, like this. torturing where it like really fucking upset me. And I was like, oh god, like if there's a hell and that's what it is, like that's fucking really bad. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't yeah, want to go there. Sure. Like it made me like fearful. Anything like in even with the Exorcist, as soon as you bring in a, you sprinkle a little bit of religion into things, it just makes it far more real because it's like religion is the supernatural that we all believed in growing up. You know, if that makes sense. So oh, yeah. if you if yeah. you use that as an avenue to get into your fear, yeah, and then you show this, how is it not going to mess with you? You know. Yeah, of course. Of course. And, I, and I think these like the subtle genius moments of this movie in terms of horror anyway. It, Joe, I think you're giving the guy that made Mortal Kombat a little too much credit here. <laughs> hey, I will make the fucking Mortal Kombat jokes in this podcast. <laughs> Can we, speaking of Mortal Kombat, just, I, I, I gotta just say this now because I feel like, I don't want to like have this be the last thing we talk about, but you know, like the, the ending theme in the credits isn't it like a little similar? <laughs> like your prodigy? Yeah, it's like it's like <laughs> like it's like what is this? Somebody going like Edge Lord here? Like <laughs> it, it's literally like it's the music that they have in the Don't Steal a DVD ad, like in the beginning of the DVD. <laughs> you wouldn't download a computer. You wouldn't download a car. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't shoot a cop and piss in his hat. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't gut someone and feed them their guts. <laughs> You wouldn't butt fuck a dude while blowing another dude in hell. In hell. <laughs> that would have been a better version for this particular film, but I don't think they yeah. did. After we see this horror fucking horrifying fucking video, um, they want to get the fuck out of there. They're working real hard to get out of there, and they're fixing their ship. What is the equivalent of a fucking band aid on like a leaking yeah. pipe? Like it's laughable. Like when you yeah. see them like welding other things. Like how's it going? I'm like it's going good. <laughs> like Great. I think we're gonna do it. Sticking gum on the side and shit. It's we're like, trying. <laughs> when you, it's like gum. It looks like gum. It does. And when you like they try it and it's like steam just blows out. He goes ah, it's not working. I'm like yeah, no fucking shit. It's not working. It's like ah, he's like we found a leak. I'm like. Yeah, like everywhere. <laughs> the hole. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like yeah. Apparently, the whole edge is leaking. <laughs> well, the unfortunately, hole. we 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 pulled off other parts of the ship to fix it, and now both parts are broken. So, well, there's a real subtle reveal. He didn't have all his equipment. Uh, you notice when he when he later on he smushes the gum on the screen that that was the key ingredient he was missing. <laughs> I, know, I thought about that when I saw that. I was like, "Yep, that's how these guys fix fucking everything." So they they want to get out of there, obviously, but the ship's still getting repaired, and they kind of have to like. There's like this sub like objective where they're like, "If we're fucking stuck here, we have to kind of discover what's going on so we can survive." You know. Um, yeah, this is kind of like the transition into Act Three. We've gone from yeah. introduction to timetable to now the escape attempt. You know, like they kind of just like we're doing now, right? They come up with their own explanations of what it could be because we don't fucking know what actually happened. The, yeah. the, the most that you could say is the ship went somewhere. Fucking, you know, we don't know really for how long. It said seventeen years to come back, but it could have been a fucking hour and and came back and and wherever it went, like you know, the best explanation obviously is some kind of version of hell, like something, another dimension, another place. Mm -hmm parallel universe whatever it is you know inverse where it's just like the most horrific place possible where it's like you can't really describe it you know and and there's like just a couple yeah. videos that just show a, it. a place of pure evil yeah. just like all of the the darkest fears i mean because that's what starts to manifest them just visually and then physically and then it, it ramps up and ramps up and it's literally just 
horror, terror, fear, torture, like all of these, like if it's a dark negative word, that's where it came from, you know. I think the most horrific aspect about the movie, besides like some of the visuals, is just the mystery. Because it's it, you're, you're never really told an explanation. Like a lot of horror movies, you are given an explanation, or at least you just have a better idea of what it is, you know. Yeah. That's why I kind of feel like this is a little more like the shining uh, of sorts, you know, in space, because like a lot of it's left like just ambiguous. Um, yeah, definitely. I, that's that's part of the intrigue for me about this, this genre of, you know, what I would consider cosmic horror, where it's like, yeah, it's you're not going to you're not going to be able to pin it down and say, oh, so he did it because of this. And she was trying to get that money from him. And so he murdered her. It's not it's a far more vast being or entity behind all of this you know yeah it, it may not even have sentience it just could be a feeling or so yeah it's it's really hard to wrap your right, mind that's around what I'm saying yeah, it, yeah. It, it's it is difficult to really like explain to somebody which is basically what we would always say right like so when i first saw this movie when i was like a teenager i would have told you oh the ship goes to hell and then it comes back yeah. and it brings hell back but now I'm like, that's not really what happens. It's just like... That. Yeah, you're. I just realized what you're saying is completely accurate. And I realize that now, but I hadn't realized it till this most recent viewing, is that their exposition, almost all of the exposition is wrong. It's just them trying to explain it yep. to each other. Yeah, good and, point, man. And that's what the audience basically said. Um, th- there's like a bunch of shit that happens to the crew members, you know, um, the guy, Justin kind of gets it the worst and fucking survives, might I add, uh, because he not only goes into this void and comes back and he's all fucked up. He, get, he basically goes to walk out of the airlock and he does yeah, because of what he experienced in that world. He just like the, it's the madness has driven him to like just suicide basically. Yeah. Like yeah. almost like he can't like almost against his will. Cause he doesn't really want to yeah. do it. And then. Uh, he's saved uh, again. What a scene that is! You it's know, good. not for nothing. Like you, like when he's in the airlock and he like comes to, and he's just like that terror on his face. I feel like that's one of the highest tension scenes in the movie. Like as far as his pure tension, like it still works now. Oh yeah, it's probably. It's. I'll be honest with you. I think it might be the most like tense scene. Yeah. Right, Cause, like it, it's got build up. You got people kind of screaming and like trying to like you know like get 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 to some like asp- like they know he's not right, so they're trying to get to some such desperation. Yeah, yeah, they get you're trying to get to some aspect of his mind to like you know like they call him nicknames and stuff like that. You were joking around before, like you know uh, honey bear, baby bear, what the fuck they call him? baby bear. Yeah. yeah, no, they call him baby bear more than they call him Justin. I think. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but they like, fucking how's baby bear? how's baby bear? <laughs> <laughs> his nickname was Justin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But the, but the guy survives, like, both these encounters. A, a lot of other people in the crew, they don't. You know, like, people start getting killed off in the third act. So um, Yeah, like, Mama Bear is walking because she sees her kid, and yeah. then she falls down that pit. Oh, God, man. That's a rough and then, fucking scene. Yeah, but how, like, how did she not land on a spike? Wouldn't that have been <laughs> a perfect opportunity to be like, use the spikes? Yeah, they were really fucking throwing at you there. Cause they... Or say... Fatality. Like she <laughs> fell into a Mortal Kombat pit. How did she? <laughs> nice. Like that's probably like why he was like, I didn't have the opportunity to make a fall on a spike, and I wanted to make a fall on a spike, so I made Mortal Kombat. And they had to cut it out, <laughs> and they made a much more. Gru- Honestly, this was I think more gruesome than that because like, oh yeah, <laughs> it looked like a real like it, it looked very realistic basically. Yeah, like, that impact looked yeah. yeah harsh. Yeah, like it really was so unexpected. It was just a boop. Because every time you see, like, somebody, like, fall off a building and hit a car or whatever it is, right? Like, 
it's always like you know oh the 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 thing they hit is so much more damaged like the concrete's broken but like their body's intact they just got like some sexy blood trickling out of their nose or their mouth but in reality yeah. uh it's fucking oh, horrific yeah. <laughs> it's a horrific looking thing yeah. and they showed i wouldn't say like exactly what it looked like but pretty fucking close to what a body hitting the ground from that distance would look like like her legs were kind of like uprooted from like from her bones like i don't know the whole thing was like very disturbing looking it was just yeah man. and what's weird is when we're finds her like he's remorseful he's yeah. like as if he he's did like it. oh peters oh no yeah. like he's so com- like i re- that's where i really think it's not i think he's, he's a puppet you know it's like yeah. his reaction is humanity coming out of him and that reaction is legit it's not like he's being sarcastic like oh weird look look what happened to you or something like that you know um, you know what gets me to to this day which i still i hate watching in any movie is following that scene you, you actually see what happened to his wife how um, oh yeah yeah his wife and she fucking kills herself in any movie if they ever show wrists being slit uh, i hate yeah. that so much it's i don't know why sad. it's like, so visceral to me like, i hate that <laughs> a lot of people have a hard time with that i know um huh? it, it's it's also just sad too you know like yeah yeah um, I gotta say, like, I, I just kind of, like, I, I gymmed the camera in my own house, basically. Like, when, <laughs> like, his wife's ghost, like, grabs him and she's like, we have so many wonderful things to show you. And yeah. I'm just like, you stole that line from Hellraiser. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they also stole a line from, uh... Back to the Future? Back to the Future. <laughs> God. Eyes. <laughs> We're going, we don't need eyes. <laughs> that is a fucking quote from the movie he just said. That is yeah, not a joke. Yeah, I was like, well, we re- mentioned Back to the future earlier i know i was, I was like, wondering hey. if you were gonna bring that up too because i had that in a note no <laughs> i was like what the fuck <laughs> it's like so comical it's like come on <laughs> so tying back into my theory that um the influence has been there since the beginning i would almost think like i'm painting this real like this is all conjecture the idea that maybe weir was putting so much time into designing the event horizon he was like oh man you know like i'm really ruining my marriage i got to get back to my marriage and the darkness you know that void basically got claire to kill herself to, yeah. to drive him into the work i mean that's i mean it just works with the, no, the story right yeah. it does because yeah i mean like unless she was already mentally ill but if she would was he would have already been giving her like special attention or just wouldn't be with someone like yeah that he's because, a doctor like you right. would imagine that if she was if that was already on the table it you know hopefully like there would have been some i don't know if if that's what the if that's what it was it made him also blame himself you know which yeah gave them back way. to him yeah and then to show him visions to motivate him that but you can get her back i mean ultimately this is really just a love story about a guy trying to get his wife back you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah intercut with some of like the most horrific torture intercut form. yeah <laughs> Good use of words. They just make the decision to destroy the ship, and they're like, "We can get, we can get away in a portion of the event horizon and kind of blow the rest away." Um, like almost using like the 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 main hub as an escape pod, yeah. basically. Yeah, and and they're gonna blow like the main thing, um, which is where like the drive is and whatnot. But that's kind of when Weir just turns like full villain. And he's like, "I'm not letting yeah. you do that." And he starts he starts actively killing some people too. You know, it's not just, like, the visions that kind of drive people to, like, suicide or, like, you know, whatever. It's now just, it's him. Like, when he, he takes one of the bombs from that hallway yeah. and places it in inside the Lewis and Clark for Smitty to find. Yeah. When Smitty finds that, that bomb, that face he makes, I feel like that was, like, 
that was really good acting because he's just like when he sees like three two and he just like he just he's so cr- like he's just like oh no yeah but yeah like, you kind of felt like that what that would it's be like. really good like it, it makes is. your heart sink almost like i was like oh man right things are gonna get worse you know like <laughs> <laughs> there's not enough time to do anything it, it, it was yeah. like it's like right like it was like just the amount of time where you're like fuck you know like three two one yeah it's just like the, it was yeah. just like enough time for the realization to hit you and realize and like yeah. i had like i had a, a reaction to it for sure but like i didn't think past what you're saying now because he's like, I'm going to find it. Like, in his head, he's like, no, I'm going to fix this problem. I'm going to fix this problem. Everything's going to be okay. Similar to where Cooper is on the outside. Like, hey, I just got to finish this up. Um, like, I don't know. I'm sure he said it much more plucky. <laughs> oh, you want to talk about Cooper? I can talk about Cooper. <laughs> Let's <laughs> or, get into Cooper. <laughs> or, 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 or 90s. It's about time. Yeah, it's <laughs> It's about it's Cooper time. <laughs> yeah, it's getting more. So after the this song. incredibly dramatic death scene, like fantastic acting, I would say it's slightly undercut by Cooper getting blown off into the space, going, "Why is this shit gotta happen to me?" <laughs> like like it wasn't... almost sounds like he's about to say, "Why is this shit always gotta happen to me?" <laughs> like, <laughs> but but he wasn't like that. I didn't think in the beginning. Am I wrong? It's not like he became more of a cliche, like somewhere in the end of the movie. I I, I think that like he made a lot of the he was he had a lot of plucky dialogue. Everything he would say is very like flippant or like you want something hot and black inside of you when he's talking <laughs> about the car. And I feel like it really it was another one of those things, an element they added in to kind of make it more palatable to a wider audience. Yeah. It also dates the movie quite a bit, which, you know, yeah. like having that, that, that cliche. Yeah. It gets turned up to 11 in yeah, Act 3. Man. That's the thing that, yeah, I mean, you're probably right. It was probably rewrite bullshit because, like, this fucking personality is, is like, it's a, yeah, it's a big fucking dial turn, man. Like, but at this point, every fucking line he says is outrageous, you know? Like, it, it doesn't like, really belong when in When he's movie. shooting back to the ship and he's like, here I come, motherfuckers! Like, <laughs> yeah! <laughs> I mean, it's funny talking about it now, but it's like, imagine that line placed into the middle of Lord of the Rings or something. It's like, it's out of place, <laughs> you know? Like, it's just, it doesn't fit in this movie. Because because at this at this uh, point in the movie, it's it's getting fucking much darker. It's getting more intense. It's getting more dramatic, and 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 now we're getting humor all of a sudden, right? To just sort of like yeah, it's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, yeah I, I just think it was really out of place. And like you said, it's a very dated cliche. It really broke the tension. It potentially, I think that's what made it one of the things that kind of ruined the fir- the third act for me on my yeah. on my second kind of viewing. Like, they were doing a great job with the movie in terms of, like, being familiar yet different, you know? And they weren't, like, dating it too much with, like, obviously music or, like, products, right? Because, like, they were in space in the future. You know, you weren't dating it with, like, a lot of, like, the movie technology in the era because it was a lot of practical effects and it was a space movie, which honestly wasn't, like, a thing that happened a lot. And it's really just the placement because, like I said, it's immediately after um, Smitty's death scene... You know, in that in that face he makes, then you have this this silly shenanigans flying through space kind of thing, and then immediately after that you have a uh, DJ getting strung up by hooks and gutted like a yeah. Halloween decoration. Oh, it's like, fucking horrific! Yeah, like those two scenes. It's like here's the tone here. Let's bring it back here. Let's bring it back up here. It's like it's all over the place, you know. Weir starts the gravity engine again at this point. Um, and, yeah. and we're kind of getting a real-time countdown because it's the last 10 minutes of the movie. And there's like 10 yeah. minutes 
until it goes. So that I thought was really cool too. I didn't really notice that until the last. What do they call that? Had. A diegetic timer or something like that? I don't. I don't know if there was a name for it. And so they basically have to like just get the fuck out of there um, again. <laughs> um, here we go again. So <laughs> And this is another thing that stuck in uh, my head for like a long time. When you asked me before, like, wasn't this one of the things that you always thought about it was? The other thing I always thought about was like all the blood rushing into the ship. And I don't even know like where, like, I still don't even know where this really came from. Oh, you know where it came from? Um, there's this movie called The Shining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they yeah. were like, that's scary. We should do that. <laughs> 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 there's a fine line between like just stealing scenes right and like I being mean, influenced by literally the walls bleeding and then the yeah. the blood came out looked like they copy pasted the elevators <laughs> like i know i know but for some reason i never really got the impression and i still don't now maybe because it's so far removed in time right that like they were stealing from other movies i thought like it was almost like a star wars sort of thing where it's like where, where he was influenced by a lot of things and he took a lot of things from other stuff you know specifically like what the episode four or whatever you want to call it right it was like a lot of it was taken from the movie the hidden fortress like a lot of storyline mm-hmm. the story plot yeah rather. i feel like he did it like the, this director did it but like kind of took more like scenes ideas you know and, and put it into this but i don't know i i kind of feel like it works do you think it comes off as like plagiarism? No, I, I, I didn't think that would like. I thought the the blood filling it, all the the liquid containers and and bleeding, like I thought that was great. Like I didn't, I didn't seem out of place, and it wasn't screaming to me like it didn't feel like Ready Player One, where they're like redoing The Shining or something. It just felt yeah, like yeah. okay, yeah, sure, blood is a thing that happens, you know, like it. Obviously, I feel like that was an inspiration, but by no means do I feel like it ruined it or took away from it. No, I never felt like any of that was the case this movie. I mean, people could, and I could understand that argument 100%. He, there's, like I said, there's a fine line, and I think he walked it fine. The it things fine. that took me out of it were... Cooper. Cooper, <laughs> yeah. and and then we have the exposition scene where Weir yet again gives another explanation as to what's going on. We're, we're, our feeble human minds can't understand the scope of what's happening. That's, yeah, that's what I thought about. And people use that with God too, right? Like we can't understand the concept of God, you know? Like we yeah. just call it this. So it could be something religious, right? Or just the version of it that we don't know yeah, we don't they know call it the old the old gods. You know, right. it's that's one of the things they're referred to in uh, the Cthulhu mythos and stuff like that. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, we're basically getting to the end of the movie at this point. Um, and yeah. you know, our survivors are a character we didn't really mention because she didn't really do too much. Uh, Stark and um, which we didn't. Yeah, we didn't. Like I said, we didn't talk about her because she didn't really have a lot to do as far as I know, except for like be in her underwear and wet. <laughs> I was like, well, she did. Yeah. And then we have Cooper, like we mentioned, obviously. And now it's kind of like, all right, we got to get the fuck out of here because the ship's going to blow soon. They're getting to like the main portion of the ship where they could survive in. But now it's Captain Miller left behind. And this is his arc. Basically, he had had uh, an incident in the past where, you know, they were escaping from an exploding space vessel and it was on fire. And he was trying to get his whole crew out. And he knew it was a time where like there was one more guy and he describes like fire and space and how it's like hitting the guy in waves. And he watches one of his crew members burn alive and he could he had to leave him behind to save the rest of the crew. And he's haunted by that. And we find those are the visions he keeps seeing him overcoming that that greatest fear. Right. Is Stark is in the when they break the window after Weir gets sucked out into space and he's dead. Stark 
is getting sucked out and he's like, I won't leave you behind. And he risks his life and he effectively saves her. Now he has like some type of ar- theoretically armor against this threat because he's been able to conquer his demon, you know? Oh, right. And that's what the ship has as its weapon, right? Your fears. That's how it's killed everybody so far. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So that he's, you know, and like yeah, he's, he's such a, and, yeah. and you notice his character is really consistent throughout the whole movie. Oh, he's yeah. got integrity. He does the right thing. You know, he seems like the type of character that would make sense that his this would be his his big regret, and then yeah. he is able to overcome that that evil force of manipulation because like even his biggest regret he's able to conquer in his own mind. You, you got know? yeah, you got a sense that like he had this like epic fuck up in his life. You know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. maybe multiple epic fuck ups, and he's yeah. real humble about life. You know, and that was kind of the, a big part of the character. And you kind of, I kind of got that impression from him like before I knew the background because I'm so great at finding out these kinds of things. So. I, I was, <laughs> I um no, but 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 seriously, I think they did a good job with that. Without revealing what it was, he yeah. his, his character was pretty well done. So he he get he gets redemption. He gets uh like you pretty eloquently put like armor to fight this thing. And that's what he does, right? So like he goes to the heart of the ship, basically. Well, he's going to to arm the bombs and get the detonators, and then fire guy shows back up, yeah, and kind of corrals him into the the heart of the ship. Right, now he's stuck there because he's kind of cut off from the rest of them. And so I didn't really see this coming, this being that he he dies. He sacrifices himself to to kill off this this portion of the ship and let his crew free. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, for sure. That character, I felt like, because you just said, like, he did have, like, an arc. He, He redeemed himself, so I felt like it made sense for him to survive. I guess it also makes sense for him to die, you know? Um, it was a very hero move. That was his ultimate sacrifice. They almost didn't have to have him have the scene where he saved Stark to make this sacrifice be the way of him defeating his demons, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. That, that would have been better. Yeah. If somebody had... Well, my whole point was, like, maybe no one had to die, right, to save... They, they could have been, like, an epic kind of escape, but that would have fit this movie more because it's, like... You know, a lot, a lot of this movie is, like, pretty standard stuff, and then, like, there's these, like, standout moments of genius, right, that you don't, like, see coming. Like, that's the things that hit you the most. You know, like, explanations of things that we still think about. Um, You know, like, the graphic stuff, the, the gory stuff that, like, really sticks in our heads, themes, unexplainable things... And, like, moments like this where, like, oh, shit, I didn't think they were going to kill off their lead character like that. Yeah. The thing that was kind of felt forced, and from what I heard it was, was, you know, we see Weir get blown out the fucking, you know, window. So he's dead. And now, even though, like you said, like, he already fought off his his demon kind of, uh, you know, with this man on fire. He's fighting him again. And I think that originally that was what it was supposed to be. And they wanted to rewrite it to have more of like an epic battle at the end, even though Weir did kind of die. To, to complete my theory, it's like, you know, his new fear. Like, first of all, we know they ran into the problem with this kind of a story. You can't have the big bad be this nebulous, dark force influencing right. everything. We sure. need we need a physical person. Like and Sarah who if we identified right. as the bad guy, it's Weir. But I think that that manifestation of Weir isn't Weir. It's just as much as the fire guy transforms into Weir is like is that's telling us yeah this is just another manifestation of the dark force showing him his new latest fear is that weir is his fear it's <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> <laughs> like i was like too many things rhyme with ear <laughs> talking about fucking dr seuss podcast <laughs> like, weir a, is fear like a real fucked here, up one yeah yeah so i think that's what it is and that's why like 
his eyes have regenerated and like he looks yeah so... we didn't talk about that like the, the the ship's captain had his eyes taken out in, in his hands right and we yep. we keep seeing his wife without eyes and then he cut, cuts his fucking eyes out and sews his sews him shut right so what, what what like what did you think about that because i didn't really <laughs> have a theory there's a there's a theme there of like um because of a vision right is you know is that it's unfathomable to the to the point that in order to see it you'd have to remove your eyes and he's like let me show you and he get he does the thing where he gives him the visions through his eyes and we see like the crew being tortured wrapped in barbed wire nails in their eyes covered in maggots impaled like it's terrible um i think the whole idea is once again that it's this unfathomably like it's not something we could even show you on screen because we'd have to tear out your eyes you know um no but it's just like it you can't even see it with your eyes which is the idea of like where we're going we don't need eyes i know that's a silly line but the idea of it's something you you perceive on a higher level which is why we're still able to see with his eyes removed when he in that like fight in the cockpit that's just the theory you know i'm so glad you're here because i get like lazy with this shit sometimes i don't really feel (laughs) (laughs) well i just think about it when i'm driving around i'm like why the fuck would they have him come back with stupid little slashes all over him you know what happens the village is the same thing that he did to him you know what i mean he got he got left behind and fucking burned uh essentially it wasn't supposed to be that way with uh dr weir's character and i think that uh like i said I'm, i'm i'm fairly certain that they, they they put that in there after the fact because they were like well it makes more sense that like these two have this like epic fight at the end like that's more cinematic that you know this epic battle at the end that was more cinematic so yeah we get like a more like demonish version of weir uh for this like climatic scene but you know it, it just it just serves it's like awesome. a very standard purpose of you know having that last battle whatever. it wasn't it wasn't great but I get it. They could have just had it that the portal was turning in on it on its own, and it was going to suck the whole ship in before they were able to escape. So he, they had to blow it, and then he couldn't blow it remotely. And if they just wanted him to sacrifice himself, it could have been like a heroic thing. And then it probably evolved from there, you know. I mean, and then, then the event horizon gets sucked into the black hole. I don't really understand the mechanics of how the portal works, right? Yeah, so is it like a portal? To. You walk through the portal, or is it like the portal creates? You know what I mean? It's like, because you see Justin go through a portal like a Stargate. But then at the same time, like, you see the whole thing creates a black hole. Like, collapses inside and, like, reopens, you know? like Yeah, like, that's black... what I was imagining yeah. is that that portal creates right. a gravity well. Right. And, I mean, a, a black hole is an, in, you know, relatively infinitely dense thing where, like, the, the ship would literally crush down into a pin, you know, a point smaller than a pinpoint. And then uncrushed down somewhere else after it folded space time. Yes, that's kind of how I think yeah. it travels. And that's how it yeah. died, you know? Um, maybe maybe it didn't. Maybe it just got away. I don't know, you know? There's fucking... No, they show that. Yeah, they show it go through the black hole, the, the, the portal portion. Yeah. So, yeah, so but I don't know. The, the survivors get away, which is basically Star, Cooper, and still Justin. They they So they, they basically, uh, they're found at the end and uh, by like a crew. And we have like a fake out scare, right? That one of the rescue guys is like weird, but it's not. There's two things that like kind of bother me about that ending. Like one, like they're still on a piece of the event horizon. Like that was the problem. <laughs> so like it's still around. Like don't don't you feel like what you feel like it was that the haunting was contained to the to the drive so when the drive was destroyed or disappeared or whatever happened to it haunting is gone I don't really think that that was the case because like I feel like it lived in that ship no I I definitely think that its tendrils reached much further than that because they influenced Weir 
to create it in the first place, according to my theory. Right. And I think that when they show her wake up from this vision that she had, she's in the and, and uh, Cooper's like Stark. It's all right. It's all right. But it's not like she snaps out of it. The movie ends with her still. Oh, like, she's freaking still out. It. Yeah. Like, so, and I think that she's just like driven to madness at this point. And I think Justin is never coming back from that either. I think that. Well, that was the other thing. Some capa- that that madness that madness is going to spread. You know, is that right. that's about that's showing. I, I know I've mentioned to you one time a lot of these cosmic horror movies. They just end with, and then the world ends. You know, it's like, and it's like it's coming back to Earth now. Is my impression. That that was my other thing too. Is is Justin still there now? Justin was inside this drive. I mean, like, in essence, like, you have everything, like, still there to create this again, right? Like, you have the, the person that was inside this thing, and then you have the ship that was infested with what it was. Yeah, nothing really was, like, super resolved with it. And I wonder if, like, her freaking out is, like, she's just continually seeing that vision that we see as the fake out, you know? Yeah. And, and that's just what it is. Yeah, I definitely think so. And I think that just having interacted with that level of uh of horror you know is that's that's often it would break your mind you know yeah i I, and i think it's a pretty good ending i mean i i you know it's 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 not like you know dragged out it's not like it's not really explained that much you know just like the rest of the movie it's a pretty good ending and it and it is open-ended i agree with you um i think that it's a perfect ending for this type of movie it, it didn't it doesn't let me down the movie does a really good job you know yeah. and um I'm, I'm glad we decided to do this movie i think in 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 hindsight i was like yeah, i remember we were chatting i was like yeah we can do that or this one i i've developed a new appreciation for this movie on a new level and i think uh i'd, I'd actually go back to it at a future point yeah i think there's a, there's a there's a big appeal uh in this movie in terms of uh how it depicts its horror like how it how it delivers its horror and it's unique enough the thing is, is that like it has, you know, a very it's a, it's it's a specific genre. It's a space movie, you know. It's a science fiction horror movie. So like someone might not want to see this as much if it, you know, took place in a house. You know what I mean? Or you know, mm. a fucking you know, a cruise ship, or they or sail to an island or something like that. Right, yeah. yeah, a submarine or whatever. Like it, like something else that like you could like have have a better like idea of what it's like to be in, uh, or you just don't like fucking space shit. You know what I mean? A lot of people just hate fucking science fiction in space or if you have a problem with like murder blood orgies i mean maybe it's not for you <laughs> yeah i mean there's that it wasn't for a lot of people apparently but <laughs> they, they uh if you can kind of let down that like you know uh, prejudice and just check this out uh i think it's worth a watch because there's a lot of genius in this movie uh in terms of horror and i think it's kind of like essential uh, for a horror fan because it's very different it's it, you know it has a cult following and you know we're, we're, we're here sucking its fucking dick all night but like you know some people are just like whatever about it a lot of people fucking love it and i feel like there's like no middle ground it's either you're just like eh, I don't know, it's okay or like wow this movie's fucking great you know and you find more uh to appreciate as you watch it like we did so please check out event horizon uh i don't, I don't make any um residuals on it so it's there's no there's, there's nothing sinister behind it i just think it's a great movie <laughs> um, i agree yeah. it's not it's a must watch but not a must love you yeah. know you're it's okay to not like it, but I strongly recommend checking it out. Yeah. Um, and on that note, uh, I will say goodnight to you and goodnight to the fucking fine people listening. Um, <laughs> hope to have you back soon. Um, and uh, everybody, make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter, the fucking So Meds. And fucking goodnight! Goodnight. Next week on Sexy Vampire Teeth Podcast. And then Jesse Eisenberg, you know, becomes like more, you know, of a wolf type person 
Yeah. Well, he basically becomes Josh Hartnett. <laughs> <It's a> fucking <laughs> the wet, matted down hair and the overly sized uh, sweatshirt with the sleeves like past his hands. Like so, I'm like, yeah. Oh, okay. So you just turn into Josh Hartnett. Um, Specifically, Josh Hartnett in both the faculty and Halloween H2O. Yes, and everything else back then. <laughs> and, and everything else Kevin Williamson was associated with. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, that's true too. <laughs> hey guys, if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to our podcast on Spotify and Apple iTunes. Also, you can follow us on social media. We have Twitter, and that's at Sexy Vamp Teeth. We also have Instagram at the Sexy Vampire Teeth Podcast. And if you want to follow Justin, all you That's need to me. do. Oh, you're still on the phone? Uh, I very rarely ever hang up. Tell the people where they could follow you, Justin. Well, if you want to follow me on Facebook, you can find me as Justin Tong. If you want to follow me on Instagram, you can find me jtong81. And if you want to follow me on Slasher, the horror based social media site, you can find me at Sexy Vampire Teeth Pod. And if you want to follow me on social media, you can't. I'm off the stuff. So if you guys want updates on the show, please follow us on our social media sites and make sure to tune in every Monday night for a new episode. Thanks for listening, guys, and good night. So long, everybody. You've been listening to the Sexy Vampire Teeth Podcast.